At the start of every Shift for Brains podcast, I like to remind the listeners and my guests and myself that the purpose of Shift for Brains is to hear from first voices on issues that matter to many of us, if not all of us. The goal is to share and understand and to shift our thinking, shift our brains in helpful and wise directions. It's about sharing thoughts and philosophies around living in this world. And we at Shift for Brains work from the inherent belief that we're all trying to do the best we can from where we are. All that is severely challenged by the podcast that we're doing today and the one we're going to do next. Uh, this podcast is called Ethical Meat, and the second in the series about this issue is called Ethical Meat, but with a question mark. Humans have gone through and are going through evolutions and revolutions that have shaken the very core of society as our social constructions have been challenged and revamped to adapt to changes in thoughts and values. Human rights, civil rights, rights of indigenous peoples, women's rights, children's rights, LGBTQ or LGBTQIA rights, prison reform, environmental rights, I could go on, uh, on and on. So all that said, today we're touching on another revolution in thinking around animals, animal rights, and the ethical treatment of animals. Mahatma Gandhi said that the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. In an economically interconnected and globalized world economy, that statement takes on epic proportions. As we start this discussion, we start with an assumption and an exclusion as there are no industrial farm representatives here. Uh, we are talking with people who have made decisions very different from that model. Uh, um, one of my guests is Ray Lutz, third generation mixed farm. Pastured and free range poultry and grass fed beef is your specialty. Pasture Hill Farms is the name of your farm in Kings County. Megan Rand is Ray's daughter and the bulk of the labor done on the farm. <laughs> by Megan, according to the Megan's testimony earlier on when I was talking to um, I've also, I have across from me Lil McPherson, founder and co-owner and president of both Wooden Monkeys, which I call the Wooden Monkey Chain, but she doesn't agree with that yet. Uh, she's a food defender of real food, climate change presenter, change agent in general, and a person trying to make a difference in this wonderful world. I have to confess right off the top, I'm a plant-based born-again vegan, um, so please shift my brain. Val, let me begin with you. How did you get into this industry and why in this way? Well, first of all, I married a farmer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, we've always been interested in um, healthy animals, good, clean food, mm-hmm. and doing the best for our animals, make sure they're, make sure they're happy, um, so, and so they could live as close to nature as possible. Um, so that's pretty much, and we've been very passionate about that. So third generation, how, how large is your farm? Describe your farm to me a little bit. It's not that big. It's mm-hmm. 140 acres, <clears throat> partially wooded land and pasture. Um, it's great for raising beef mm-hmm. and chickens. Uh, not good for crops uh, because we're up on the mountain. And um, uh, so, but other than that, we... Yeah, it's it's like I say, it's not a very big, not a big farm. So, so the the industrial model has never appealed to you. You haven't decided no. to expand and get a big barn and put yeah, all the animals no, in there. No, absolutely not. Why not? Absolutely not. Why not? No. Why not? Because uh, it's very stressful for the animals. Uh, when you put the, these cattle go like um, speaking about the beef, you put the cattle out in the spring on a nice lush pasture. And you can just see the contentment in their faces almost. I mean, when you've been around cattle long enough, you can read them. You mm-hmm. know, you learn to read them. Um, 
and you can see that contentment and they're laying there and they chewing their cud and you know it's and it's the same with the chickens when we move because because we pasture ours that means we're moving them every day mm -hmm. on fresh green pasture uh in the sunshine that early morning sunshine it's been a little bit cool in the night and they're looking for that sunshine in good clean ground dry ground uh you can see that they're contented so yeah. what about so what about what, do you do you force feed them at all do you bring them do you give them animal, like corn but, uh, we do our chickens the, the, the cattle the beef only get grass mm -hmm. and hay in the winter time but our chickens we have to because they can't graze they're not a grazer um especially this breed of chickens because it's a meat bird um, that's what we have access today. Um, it, um, but we do give them a grain, but they're not force-fed. Right. I mean, it's there for them to eat when they need it. And like I say, these are bred to put on meat. So they do eat more, I think, than a, like a, a heritage breed. Yeah. Um, and do they run around the farm? Like the little chickens run around the farm? Not like a heritage or a laying hen. No. What, what do they no. do then? They kind of tend to want to set by the fe feeder. In the, between the feeder and the water. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we force march them in the morning. It's like, okay, it's time to move. You gotta, you get, gotta going, get, get going, you know. Uh, and, and they do learn to look forward to that because they learn that there's those new, new bugs first thing in the morning and they will line up at the front of the this pasture pen yeah. um, waiting to be moved and they're waiting anxious to get to those bugs and you'll see them... They go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, that's only for a short period of time, and then they set down. Right. Because they're, they're growing fast. They're growing fast. Okay. And uh, so um, that's they're they're crossbred. It's a you know. It's a, so just approximately how many chickens and how many beef cows? Um, for our chickens, uh, for, for we just do them through the summer, right? And summer and fall. And we we've done as high as five thousand. We don't we do a little less than that now, mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah. And, and for our, for our cattle, uh, about thirty. About thirty. Yeah. Okay. And it's give and take. It's because they're coming and going all the time. You know. Yeah. Right. Uh, so around thirty, thirty-five, something like that. Okay. So Megan. Yes. How about you? What what? Uh, how do you feel about the the, the methods and the and the way you're treating the animals and how how does it feel? It feels amazing. Yeah. It's all about them. It's about making them comfortable. It's about keeping them happy. And like, there's nothing better than watching them. Like mom said, going out on a green pasture and just go and run and eat and do what they love to do, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. the fresh air, the sunshine. How long do you have the chickens? Uh, usually yeah. we start in about, about the first of May. Mm -hmm. and we usually have them until about the end of September. Right. Yeah. And, and how long, do, and the cows? Cows we have year round. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and like Mom said, the numbers go up and down. So we usually have more in the summer okay. than, in, than in the fall um, and the winter. But, uh, yeah, it, that's a year-round thing. So it's a little more labor-intensive in the winter because you have to keep them clean and you have to, you know, keep feeding them and stuff. In the summer, they kind of do their grazing thing. And where are they slaughtered? Where do, they, where do the animals go for that? Or do you do it at the farm? Or? No, there's a provincially inspected abattoir mm -hmm. in Wolfville that looks after all of our, all of our, all of our processing. processing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 all the chickens, the turkeys, yeah, the, and everything. Yeah, and the yeah. beef, they do it all for us. Okay. And now, Lil, you know these <coughs> folks through what uh, mechanism? Well, they're one of my buyers. I buy from them. I, I trust this farm. 
I love these guys. I personally know them. We talk about food uh, all the time, about how they're, <laughs> that's all we talk about is how they raise uh, their chickens. And there's just even more to this. I mean, Ray and I had a great chat last week and we were talking about, um, she was mentioning that just her going into the superstore noticing a strip loin that was really quite, had all these really strange lines and meat, uh, or sort of fat and lines in, in them. And you were saying, what's wrong with that piece of strip loin? They don't, it's not normal. Doesn't, a real strip loin doesn't have these lines in there through these, these fat lines because it's not, you know, these cows are not being fed grass. So it's a different product. So for me, the whole vision of, of, of the restaurant, um, we need to shift. I love this program because it is actually shifting. We have to shift our minds. I think people will always eat meat. I, you know, in the real world, it'd be wonderful if everybody cut way back on our meat consumption. I think that needs to be. But, but this whole uh, education program, hopefully, will help people think about what meat they're buying because the industrial food system is so damaging to our health, to the earth, to our water, to the antibiotic situation that we have going on in this planet, especially in North America, to the air, uh, to the local economies, to it just goes on and on and on. And it's it's just, uh, it's to me, it's it's uh, it's going towards death. So you, 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 <clears throat> you, really, you jumped a question here. You've jumped a question. I was going to ask you, <laughs> what, I, I, I was all set here with this question. And the question I was, I can't help myself. isn't it cheaper to have industrial meat? Why would you, why would you uh, uh, go to a farm? Oh, a local uh, it, farm? Is it cheaper and it would is, it be? In it is it, for a restaurant for us one of the most vulnerable businesses to be into mm. because, you know, it's all food. Um, our, it would be, we'd make, we'd be, uh, be easier living for us. Uh, the, the cost absolutely is, is cheaper, mm-hmm. but the product is so uh, bad. And I'm, as a restaurant owner, I want quality. I want to feel good about what I'm serving my customers. Listen, I'm from the fast food business. I worked at McDonald's. I worked at taverns. I worked at all that industry since I was 16. So uh, I'm from that world. And I've seen what they have. And I've been listening to suppliers come into a restaurant years ago and say, look at this piece of chicken. It's really cheap now because we injected it with water and we've blown it up with antibiotics. And it's, it doesn't even taste like chicken. It's not even chicken. And so, you know, at one point I just said, I can't do this anymore. And it's, it's, uh, it's such a big story. And I'm glad you're, you're talking about this because the word ethical has uh, been really talked about a lot in circles that I've been in like the last month. Mm-hmm. About uh, there's no there's no such thing as ethical meat anymore because it's it's not ethical to eat meat, and ethical is uh, principles and guidelines, good principles and guidelines. I I looked it up. So ethical to me is how I feel about buying the product that I'm buying. So it's and and we had just the other day we had a um, a customer two customers in the other day and one was from Rolling's Cross a band and he was with someone and he was asking about the meat and he was vegan very interesting and I said ah so he said. Um, well, how, you know, can I trust your beef? Can I trust your beef? Can I trust your chicken? I said, oh, yes. I know the producers. I know how it works. You, you, know, you can come here and have a piece of meat that you can feel good, good that the animal... And he asked me, is the animal treated well? Was it, uh, was it tortured? Is it happy? And we went through all this conversation. He said, okay, I feel good with this. I'm going to have a burger. Whoa. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I am serious. This is a, that's a, just a gospel true story. Yeah. Happened two nights ago. I said, you're a vegan. He said, I'm a vegan because of the industrial food system made me a vegan. Mm-hmm. Ah, here we go. You know, and then, I mean, then we got into talking about climate change and 
Stop me when you want to, Bill. Yeah, no, I, no, it's, I it, it's, keep it's interesting. It's an interesting concept because I'm I'm already hearing in in what you're saying that you've already shifted your brain. That you went from from the industrial model without question. I mean, all of us, I think, not not necessarily third generation farm folk, but there, there's an in, there's a, a, a city, urban, urban rural split. That, that's become very pronounced. It's part of this process. Mm-hmm. And there are people who have never seen a cow other than plastic wrapped with a cellophane bum. Mm-hmm. They, they just, that's how they've always come across it. The idea of actually engaging with the animals mm-hmm. and seeing them and knowing what they're going through is foreign. They, and, and people say, I've got so much to think about. And the, the stuff that I was listing about the, the way people are thinking, there are so many considerations now given our global economy and our global world and the politics of everything that's happening and people are saying well I, I don't have time to think about that mm-hmm. and yet and yet now that the environment is, is becoming such an important and considered idea we have to start saying okay let's check that and then we're saying we're bringing food in from all over the world where is it coming from so this this brings me to the buy local issue mm-hmm. you you you're selling local have you noticed a shift in your in the market for you folks uh, as as farmers, are you, are you seeing an uptake in this uh, area? Yes, there's people that are really concerned about what they eat, um, uh, but we still need to do a lot more work, a lot more. Um, when she was just, it made brought a thought to my mind about um, ethical meats and stuff, uh, and in the grocery stores as as a compared to ours, uh, or or grass fed small farm. Um, there's a total difference in the color. Total difference. Mm. We go in the grocery store, and we're so used to this color that we don't question it. The majority mm-hmm. of people do not question it. It's this, I'll say, cherry red color. That's not the color of natural beef. And I've been asked different, I've even asked um, um, meat cutters, why is this color so different as opposed to doing uh, you know, your fresh meat? And they say, oh, we don't do anything to it. Something is done somewhere. Yeah. Because it's not the color of real meat. Well, so, so you folks aren't giving steroids or, or no antibiotics. antibiotics. Yeah. This is, and, and this is a very intentional decision? Yeah. Yes. And I'd also like to mention that with the antibiotics, it's we are slogan is like no routine antibiotics. So what I mean by that is... If they're sick, we're going to look after them, mm-hmm. right? So, but there's no, you know, going through the herd and giving everybody a shot, yeah. right? If they're sick, we're going to make them better. We're mm-hmm. not going to let them suffer. We're going to look after them. Um, but that so, but that particular one, I mean, that's not... written down. It's well documented. Yeah. And I mean, we give them yeah. lots of withdrawal time. Um, and that particular animal does not go into our, our farm market. No, that, it doesn't. That one, that one would that we one would, will be shipped. We would so, ship, yes. or you know, where would you ship it? Um, <clears throat> there's any. There's lots of buyers, like uh, oh, cattle yeah. buyers, yeah, that just say we, we've got an animal that we buyer, want yeah. to sell, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because yeah. Uh, like I, I had someone ask me about that. I just I feel it's very important to make sure that they know we are going to look after. Yes. Them. I'm not going to say I'm not suffer. using antibiotics right. yeah. because I don't use antibiotics, right? right. Yeah. So we're going to look after them. And but it, the the one of the most difficult aspects of getting ready for this uh, thing was 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 a watching the Netflix videos, which are rampant and, and all of that about the industrial farming, and the other was reading about it mm-hmm. because 
there, there is the whole issue of, of the, the cows that aren't allowed to move, the pigs that aren't allowed to move, oh, the know. chickens that live on, a, on, a, on an eight, six, eight and a half by 11 yeah, square right. feet thing their entire yeah. lives. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing that you're, yeah. I, I take it adamantly against all exactly. of them. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, when you put anything in a caged yeah. environment, uh, it either be a chicken, a pig, yeah. a human, what a, yeah. anything, it's a breeding ground for disease because yes. you're slamming fish, the same thing. Aquaculture is a mess. Yes. And, oh. and so it's yeah. a breeding ground for disease. So they get sick. Absolutely. And it's the fed. psychological health as well. They yeah. get, they, they're yeah. depressed. They lose yeah. their mind. They're sick. They're weak. And when you're weak, you get sick and then you need antibiotics. Yeah. So yeah. the industrial food system, over half the antibiotics in Canada yeah. are given to farm animals. And they're being sprayed on fields, and so no wonder we're having this antibiotic epidemic of resistance. So this is, and this is one of the reasons they're saying it's happening. It's not just that the doctors are prescribing it to us as people. Oh no, we're eating. We're eating eating it. it. It's in our pizza. It's in our meat. It's in our burgers. It's in our chicken. It's in every industrial piece of meat. So because the myth still, this myth still exists, or or the or the disinformation still floats about. That that the doctors are over prescribing it to us, and so we should mm-hmm. be saying no at the medical situation. But in actual fact, we're getting it in our water. We're getting it in we're our. We're getting it every day because they're not talking about that. That's yeah. right. They're not, I've, yeah. This subject, this this the food subject is one of the the least. You know, it's like uh, you know, energy is a sexy. I'm not quite sure food, why food isn't, but it's coming back. But they don't talk about it. I don't know why, yeah. but it's in yeah. all our yeah. meat, and it's now it, they're yeah. beginning yeah. to talk about it. it's yeah. in the meats, the chickens, yeah. the yeah. fish. Yeah. Everything yeah. we're eating that's industrial. That's why I, yeah. I'm scared to eat that meat. I don't eat that. Yeah. Yeah. I eat yeah. your meat. I eat yeah. meat ray. So, you know? so there's no there's no hormone injections? You're not no. trying to no. make, them, make not. them big, no. strong, tumbling no. And speaking of, <laughs> no. The, an- oh, speaking no. of the antibiotics, um, I have different customers that come to me, like with our turkey and stuff, that they can't even touch commercial chicken or turkey because they're, it, it makes them literally ill mm-hmm. uh, they said I can eat yours any amount of it scared the first time they did because they thought it was because it was a turkey or it was a chicken that they couldn't eat it wasn't that wasn't the problem mm-hmm. it was the medications in that meat and they can eat it and they have not a bit of problem I'll tell you one thing is I got a good friend that, that uh, from Cuba when he first came moved to Canada great musician friend of mine and uh, their, their meat, because of the, the, the peak oil and what Cuba went through, they, they have, you know, the heritage birds down there. And they had a lot of organic food and you know, that story. He said when he first came here and he went to restaurants and ate chicken, he said, I could taste the antibiotics. Wow. Mm. I was like, that's what I said. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. He goes, I could taste it. He said it was really, oh, it was a terrible yeah. piece of chicken. And yeah. I missed yeah. my country right away. And he said, I don't know. And he got used to it. Mm-hmm. But he said his body yeah. was had never tasted that. Oh, my. Yeah, so it is, I mean, you know, and I tell people, yeah. look, you know what, whatever you yeah. believe in, you know, just the quality yeah. of the product. Yeah. People all the time say, oh my gosh, that chicken was delicious. Yeah. We serve so much chicken in a restaurant and it's yeah. the, and I love it because it's like, I know the farmers, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's the, the close connection between the farmers and I get to, I get to do a powerful thing. I get to see Ray and Megan come through the door and I get to do something. I get to write them a check. And I take the food and we cook it up and then I get a paycheck. And look at the wonderful local economy that we got going. And I remember when we decided the second restaurant, I phoned Ray. And Ray's like, I was like, get more chickens because we got another restaurant coming. And right away, all the farmers that we deal with would really get a raise because everybody needed, we needed more meat. We needed more chicken. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And if we learn to invest in ourselves, just the, if you don't care about the planet, if you don't care about animals, just the taste, the quality yeah. is superior yeah. 
And that brings another thought to my mind. <laughs> uh, my brother uh, had, when his children were small, mm-hmm. they had a set of twin girls around Megan's age, and uh, they were very picky eaters, very picky. Wouldn't eat meat. They didn't, you know, they didn't. And, and my brother was a meat eater, <laughs> so they didn't learn this from their parents. And uh, very picky. So, but at one, one point, he bought some chicken of our chicken from us. And he called me up and he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, the girls, he said, they wouldn't stop eating this meat, this chicken. <laughs> they wouldn't stop eating it. They loved it, you know? So, and they were just young. They were probably six. They were probably, yeah. Six, seven, around six, maybe. Yeah. Like uh, you know, they could taste, and I think children can more so than as us as adults, because we're so used to, it's so gradual, we're not noticing that change. Yeah. Our palate and our mouth has changed. Yes, our palate Their palate's still fresh. Their palates are still fresh. Mm-hmm. And they, at, right away, they saw a huge difference. Right. Yeah. The, the, the other, the, um, the idea that that there's a palate change that's a, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a I think there's a shift in how people are are thinking about their food. And I, as you say, is it is it revolutionary yet? I think it's starting to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this new generation coming up is asking questions that other generations didn't. Namely, where is this coming from? How is this produced? I think the the exposure to uh, the the vastly unethical practices that are out there with regards to the, to the serious torture of animals mm-hmm. uh, it has really affected a lot of people and they're starting to ask the questions but there still seems to be um, a disinformation out there about uh, how like like the fact that you came on is is, is quite wonderful the fact that you uh, you know said you, that you would agree because many people are resistant to even having the discussion because it's difficult to have and mm-hmm. people are are afraid of the bias and they're afraid of the thing but you actually are living a, a way that that for you works you're proud of it you stand by it right mm-hmm. are you going to stay in the business maybe? i am that's the plan i love it i can't imagine doing anything else yeah 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 i feel very strongly about it and it's not just a health thing like for us it's for them too like they're so much more healthy like they're outside they exercise um I mean, they're in the sun, they're grazing the grass, they're eating what they're meant to eat. Ruminant animals are meant to eat long fiber, grass, like they need it to digest it to, for their stomachs to work properly. And I mean, you can't argue with that. Like that's what they're meant to eat. They should be eating it. And that's well, where they're getting the bacteria. That's where they're getting the stuff that makes their stomachs healthy. That's yes, why exactly. Ray and I were in a couple of meetings twice. I don't know if you want to talk about this one, but that's too much. In, a, in the chicken board meetings, they get together and I, I came with Ray because they're trying to the industrial food system I always tell people uh, when someone before someone drowns they splash really hard so the industrial food system is going to start splashing hard because they're going down because this is building up more and more people want local food it's just it's it's ethically driven it's morally driven it's health driven it's environmental driven there's so much attached to the subject but they keep trying to push the free-range pasture hill chicken like Ray has and many ones that are in this province to push towards more sanitation. Like, well, uh, you got. I thought that was so cute because <laughs> I have to tell this story. But and we're in there, and, she, and they're like, "No, we, we wanted you to put the take your boots off and put these special sanitized boots on, and put like cover yourself with you so you're completely wrapped in plastic. And then you walk into your coop, so everything's right sanitized." Ray said, "Well, if I do that right now, I go up with my boots and I stomp around the soil, right, right hard, get dirt on my soil. Then I take a shovel and I come in and I throw it at the chicks so that they'll get." Beautiful, the bacteria and stuff that will make them healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think she has the best, healthiest, 
heard in the province. I I, I just love her. You know the morals they they do. The uh, you know the whole system you follow in the Joel Zalton, yeah. uh, you know the the practices and I just I really trust her farm, and uh, but the industry keeps pushing back and I said the, if if you guys make her do that, yeah. her chickens will be sick, which those ones are, and they'll she'll have to be she'll have to feed them antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I won't buy them. My customer base is looking for her product. Whenever we go in the stores now, there are all kinds of labeling that we were just talking about. And one of those is, one of the words that's bandied about is the word organic. And I know, Lil, you have specific feelings around that word. Yes, I, I feel like I have to step in and defend it, defend it right now. Because I feel it's kind of the only word that we can hang on to. Because I know there's some lots of greenwashing going on right now. But we have to hang on to this word. What do you mean by greenwashing? Well, because greenwashing, like free run, free run chickens, means that doesn't mean they're they're out to free run. It means that there's a door opened that they can get out if they want to. But uh, no, that's just free range. Free range. Free run. Free run. Free run. Free run. Free run. They can run around the barn. Oh, that's yeah. right. Run around yeah, the barn. Just in the barn. That's right. Yeah, they can't the go. Run. There's yeah. no sun or anything, go. and there's no. They're room. just not in cages. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So it's in very cages. false because yeah. because yeah. they know it's misleading. Oh, right. People don't understand. They think oh free run ah that's the that's that's the right. Yeah, I'll take those. Those yeah. happy chickens those running happy around. Exactly. So happy. But what's happening is is there's greenwashing going on because the big corporations know that this is where it's going, and they're so big they don't have they're trying to figure a way. How can we play this game and be in this game and and be ethical and try to be in this group because all they're they're doing monoculture and all these big systems it's like when walmart went organic don't tell me they haven't done their homework they have so the organic word for me um and i feel like a little protective here because i believe we've been eating and growing organic food since the beginning of time if you believe in jesus or buddha whoever you believe in they ate organic food it's been so far removed, so altered, pesticide, GMO'd, completely altered, that it's not that food anymore. So we have to rename the old food something, mm-hmm. and that's organic. That's true, yeah. And they that's, didn't need a name back then. They didn't need, it didn't a, need name. a name. It was just food. No. And everyone ate the same kind of food. That's right. You know, there was no clean food, not clean food. No. There, you know, we all ate the same kind of food. And local is the only thing. Now, local is a strong word coming in. Now, good. Yeah. We have local coming in. Great. So we have. So now you can go to the local farmers. Yeah. And people say, where do I start? Yeah. Go to the farmer's market and make that yeah. your grocery store. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and, and I think having the conversation, like this is what we're trying to do, is right. having the conversation and getting rid of some of the myths. The, the industrial model... Which, mm-hmm. which, uh, why it evolved or how it evolved is, yeah. is based on economics. Uh, the, the idea of the monoculture, mm-hmm. you know, there, in, in, there used to be, um, uh, it used to be a thing where you, where you recycled crops to keep the soil mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They suddenly Rotation. realized, no, if I, if I pound enough chemicals in there, I can grow, I can grow corn exactly. every year for the next 400 years. Exactly. Can't grow grass there, but yeah. you can grow corn. Yeah. So the same thing happened with, that industrial model was then transported over to the to the to the meat and and poultry and eggs and milk and 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 they thought it worked, but it takes that same sort of um, uh, unnatural, if you want to use the word, uh, unnatural processing. And I'm for, and I'm going to ask a strange question: Do you do you clip the beaks? I guess it bothers me. No, you clip the beaks no. of your birds no. because okay. We do no we no. And or oh, don't beat the clips. Don't don't be clipping the beaks. Don't be or the toenails. Oh. They do that on the beaks. We actually there was another free range farm that we went to one time and they actually did and I said, why did you get these? Your it was on their turkeys. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. 
this was a free range grower. Because when they're when they're when they're raised in such high densities, mm-hmm. yes, they, they their toenails to. are so sharp. They're sharp. If they, they have tear, to climb over somebody or whatever, they tear. They, they really, rip. Oh yeah. They rip the other birds. Yeah. Because they're so densely confined. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And that's the pecking is the same thing. And then once they yeah, start to the bleed, pecking. then they oh they're gonna pick at it because yes, it looks different. So they'll pick at it. So they yeah. clip their beaks so they won't pick. Yeah. They clip their toes so they can't scratch. Yeah. That's right. And in but the end, in, in a natural environment, they need their toenails to scratch and dig. And they need their beaks and they need that pick. To pick all the little tiny, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they don't tend, and they, they won't hurt each other if they. Well, have they're not because they're not, they're not room, crowded. That's, that's right. right. If they're, they're not bored. Room, they won't. They're not going yeah. crazy. Yeah. They're they're yeah. just enjoying themselves. The industrial food system yeah. is so broken. Yeah, it is. It really it's is. so broken, yeah. and it's yeah. not sustainable, and that's why it's falling down. That's yeah. why we're in trouble. Yeah. That's yeah. why we're the the earth is melting. That's I mean, agriculture touches, you know, it's the one industry that touches everything in the world. Just get in a plane and yeah. fly anywhere in the world. And mm. I flew a lot of planes. Look over. It's yeah. all agriculture, yeah. agriculture, agriculture, yeah. agriculture. I mean, out of all the industries in the world, yeah. agriculture affects uh, water tables than anything in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about that, too. Yeah. When you start um, growing crops, growing corn, yeah. you have to irrigate that corn. You don't always have yeah. to irrigate, but in places they do irrigate. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you use the water usage is like massive, massive. Yeah. It's yeah. astronomical, yeah. and then you get the toxic runoff of mm-hmm. like yeah. the runoff of pesticides, herbicides, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. chemical yeah. fertilizers. Yeah. When you look at a well-managed pasture-based system, yeah. Yeah. the quality of the runoff water is yeah. it's just normal. Yeah, it's just right. as if it was yeah. running off. It's just yeah. just dirt. Yeah. I mean, well, you're not using pesticides. You're yeah. not using antibiotics except yeah. for the sick animals, and yeah. Yeah. and right. so there's yeah. no there's no excess. That's, that's right. got to well, be. Manure is an asset. Manure not, is an asset. Yeah, it's not like a toxic yeah. sludge no. that we can't yeah. get rid of. Yeah. It's, it's we use it as fertilizers. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. so your neighbors, your neighbors aren't complaining for forty miles around about the snow. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, I do want to mention this about um, why we talk about pastured. Ours, our chickens are pastured free range. We wanted to do a little bit better than free range. It wasn't enough for us. We didn't feel it because with free range, there's regulations. It has to, they have to have access to fresh air, green grass, and sunshine, and no medications. And actually, we're the only province in Canada that have that with our free range policy, Mm -hmm. that no medications, the other ones do. But um, pasturing our, because these birds that we raise... They, like I said before, they don't tend to want to get out there and run around. So we encourage that because we've even had, uh, uh, at one time, one time some years ago, um, the weather was really bad in the spring. So we thought, well, we'll put them in, the, in this big barn with a door like it was 10 feet wide and probably 12 feet high. A handful of that particular flock when would, go out, would go outside. We would chase them outside, and they would, and we have actually closed the door before, and they would pile by the door because they wanted to go inside, not outside. So now we didn't. They're all white birds, so we didn't know which ones, whether it was the same ones going out all the time or just sporadically, you know. Uh, so that's why by pasturing them, we move them every morning. It's like okay, on your feet. Well, Megan moves every morning. Yeah, yeah Megan. <laughs> Now, we help her, too. <laughs> I'd like to edit that comment. We just want to get that straight. Yeah. Right. They take whips and chains. Yes. Get up there. Yeah, we've got one child. We said we got to get all we can out of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like with the pasturing of the chickens, we, we use pasture pens. Mm-hmm. So yes. to protect them from 
you know, oh, wildlife and yes. predators and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we put a few in each pen. They have open bottom, open to the grass, lots of sunshine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have like 24 of them. Yeah, 24. 24? We're on 24, 24 pens. At, at the peak, yeah, at we have peak. 24 10 by 12 yeah. pens with a yeah. few chickens in each one. Yeah. We move each one every day. Yeah. Right. I mean, unless it's raining or, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot That's of a lot. work. It's, it's like, a lot of work. Yeah, and, a lot. And so yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask two questions to, to sort of roll it through. And it, it, first of all, is there anything that, that we haven't covered that you would like to discuss uh, at this point? That's a, a big question. Well, I think for me, um, <coughs> of an environmental kind of standpoint, mm-hmm. it's the carbon footprint of eating a steak or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a grass-fed steak, you can feel pretty good about that. I mean, we're not, um, you know, using fossil fuels to grow our crops. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the carbon storage that happens in healthy soil. Um, healthy soil is just kind of the answer to everything. It, it mm-hmm. starts looking like an ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. So you have plant diversity. You have different kinds of grasses. Not just one kind of grass, you have all different kinds of grasses. Yeah. Native grasses. The ones that need to grow, grow. If, you're, if your land needs more nitrogen, it's funny, but clover will start to grow and it puts nitrogen back in the soil so that other plants can grow. So it's really all about trying to stay with like a natural model and trying to let everything kind of do what it's supposed to do. As an environment. Yeah, it, it's an it, ecosystem. It, it, Farming ecosystem, becomes right. sustainable yeah. Yeah. when it starts to look like an ecosystem. Right, and it's thought of that way. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anything else that you need to? I can't think of anything. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's... Thanks, Megan. I, that you, you touched on the, touched on the one that it really means a lot to me is it is an ecosystem and it is about diversity. Yeah. We have lost diversity. It's yeah. like that's the biggest thing we need to yeah. protect. Yeah. Um, and it's perennial grass. And when I went to a meeting in Copenhagen mm-hmm. with the United Nations Climate Change Conference, and I've been to three, the most powerful one I've ever went to, was there were seven countries that got together and they talked about small-scale sustainable farmers are cooling down the planet. And I was like, what are they mean? And then they began to talk about not just growing uh, vegetables in diversity, but they talked a lot about farm animals and animals in motion. And the fact that when you have, I mean, we've had animals on this planet for uh, you know millions of years and a lot of them you know hundred thousand wildebeest going across the Serengeti we've had massive herds and migration all the time but we've stopped that so we have to do that somehow on our small land to keep this this animals in motion Mm -hmm. which they are with the chickens so when and they explain when a when a cow goes along or or wildebeest or whatever comes along on a big grass field grabs a hunk of grass and keeps moving fertilizes it as well usually Mm -hmm. and keeps moving Underneath the soil, something happens. Half the, the roots will fall, will, will, will break off and, and turn into soil, which is amazing. But the photosynthesis that will happen is that actually for that grass to grow back, it captures carbon from the atmosphere and drags it back down to the grass. She's right. Grasses will save this planet and how we farm. Yeah. It's so, in the Rodell Institute has done a 33-year study, which is no small study, peer-reviewed, scientifically proven that we can actually, it's the only technology on the planet is farming to actually pull carbon from the atmosphere. And when it talks about ethical meat, and and it's really hard to watch because there's uh, vegans, and I I understand why, Mm -hmm. coming and protesting hard on meat, they're right. The industrial meat is taking us down on our knees on this planet. 
It absolutely. Yeah. Well, this this but, idea of the Amazon forest being stripped down so oh, that they can have right. more beef cows because yeah. more of the third world is, that's is right. coming is to beef. Ninety percent. But that but of that's the, the industrial. But that's the industrial that's model. Right. That's yeah. not lovely little cows no. grazing yes, in the field. Exactly. Like we need those cows. Yeah. We need that kind of this kind of farming to yeah. save the planet. Yeah. We need. I believe we need this kind of sequestration because yeah. animals are really good at it. Really good at yeah. it. Yeah. You know, on well-managed pastures, yeah. well-managed grazing. pastures. Yeah. Um, we do rotational grazing. Yeah, yeah. you can't overgraze it because then you're kind of yeah. feeding purpose. Yeah, you know, but yeah. you, it's just good management practices, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it was a really big topic there, and it's and it's becoming a topic. Yeah. They're talking about having farmers getting carbon credits because they're taking care of their land so well. So, and you were talking about water. Twenty-four hundred gallons of water produce one pound of meat. When you eat it, when you go to a fast food restaurant and have one burger, wow, you can use the same fuel. This is fuel too to get in your car and drive 20 miles wow. and something like 10 times uh, the, the percentage of soil that disappears as well connected to that beef. Mm-hmm. It is. This is the industrial you know, model. Industrial yes. model. It right. is a climate change health disaster. And if I can yeah. fit one more thing in too, mm-hmm. when they took all the cattle from North America off grass and put them on grain, mm-hmm. something medically happened to that, that meat production. It's all filled and, and fed corn and soya, never grass. Because they're, they're sitting in half of their, just yeah. the dirt, right? They have no grass-fed beef. This yeah. is industrial. Yeah. We used to get most of our omega-3s uh, for our brain from meat. Because cows eat grass. Great. Not just fish, it's cattle. So now we're, they're saying that's one of the most missing nutrients of this century is omega-3s. Mm. When you measure the omega-3s in the body, they're mostly concentrated in the brain. And when you're depleted in omega-3s, you get depression, mm-hmm. ADD, anxiety, here we go. We're having an epidemic of depression. So our kids are walking around eating fast food meat with way too much omega-6s, which is anti-inflammatory. And uh, the omega-3s are dropping down. I mean, there, there's this this issue is huge. But I, I, I think to, to round mine up is yeah. I really see the ethical meat is about the industrial food system. Right. So there's so there's an, and that and that's what we're talking about is a revolution that's that's moving away from one thing and toward other things. We we and that's why the the industrial folks aren't represented here because I think there's kind of a a consensus around uh, the science of the danger of it, yeah. and and this is this is one of the motions away in, in the right direction by yeah. happening commercially, happening yeah. uh, as lifestyle. Yeah. And, and, and one hard. little point I was thinking about with with, with, the, with the beef. Uh, the E. coli problem that sometimes they'll have in, in, in beef, you'll hear mm-hmm. it on the news, yeah. oh, we've got this big old E. coli outbreak, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when, those, uh, when the beef is fed grass on grass, E. coli is naturally there in the beef mm-hmm. at whatever level. In their digestive tract. It, yeah, in their digestive mm-hmm. tract. And the grass keeps it at that level where it should be which, so it doesn't affect the, the animal or us. It's at the healthy level. It be, right. It's a balance. And it's at the proper balance when it's fed, because when it's fed grass, the stress, there's not the stress on the digestive system. It changes system. the P- pH in the rumen as well. Yeah. When they eat mm-hmm. corn, it, yeah, cha- it, it makes their, it acidifies their yeah. digestive tract. Digestive mm-hmm. tract. And it just kind of throws everything yeah. whack. And then other things begin to grow. Where right. That they shouldn't. <laughs> that shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, out of proportion. And that and yeah. that and becomes that exacerbated and by And they the know thing. that too. Yeah. And it's said that if you, even if you have a, a crappy industrial cow out there if you give him grass three days before you yeah you, you he's gone to slaughter yeah. yeah which is awful but that could clean it out but they don't mm-hmm. care what in like that yeah i mean it's just yeah. it's a broken system yeah. and it's, it is. it's yeah. a broken system thank you for listening to shift for brains if you wish to comment 
or you want to join in the discussion, or you want to give us some ideas for future podcasts, you can contact us on Twitter at ShiftBrainsPod, on Facebook at ShiftForBrainsPod, or on our website, ShiftForBrains.ca. This is a creative endeavor brought to you from ARC, whose mandate is to create space for authentic human exchange. If you want to know more about ARC, we're on Twitter at ArcWorksCA, Facebook backslash ArcWorksCA, or at our website, ArcWorks.ca.